0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions.
1: To uh, get your uh, value on Kroger stock, it took
2: a a a little over 5% hit today.
0: And provides unbiased answers.
2: And if they can maintain that, this stock is worth a lot more money than the $35 it's trading at now.
0: Invest Talk, over 30 million downloads and counting. One, what do you think caused this drop outside of the yields rising? And two, where do you see the price of silver uh, towards the end of 2021, for example? Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART.
3: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
2: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, March thirty first, two thousand and twenty one, and of course, pretty interesting day today. We are this last day of the quarter. Uh, I thought it was going to be a pretty big up day uh, based on certain factors, but the Nasdaq really ran, but then down. It was mixed. That was down. Anyway, welcome to the show, and of course, our mission statement never changes: independent thinking and shared success. And of course, we t- we do that because we want to make sure we we want to make sure you understand that we are going to give our best information as possible, clear, concise, to the point, nothing flowery, nothing opaque, and you know, give our opinion as opposed to you know, some experts give you both sides of the same, to both sides, and they don't have an opinion in one way or another, and then you're you're stuck with with, gee, you I know, wonder what they really think. So we try to provide clear, concise information to you. I'm Steve Peasley. And, of course, we encourage you to contact us and ask your questions. all money questions are welcome. And, you know, remember, this is a live show, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. So remember, and you drive the show wherever you want it to go. As long as it's financial, I'll go there with you. So give me a call. I want to hear from you. Um. Of course, we, if you can't call during the live hour, 4 to 5 Pacific time, Monday through Friday, you can still call any time and leave the question. We, hit, we, we call this our voice bank questions, and we try to get to as many of them as possible. The number is 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to the first caller question.
1: Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Suzanne from Michigan. I'm looking at a couple of income-producing financial services companies, KB Financial Group, sticker KB, and Mizuho Financial Group, sticker MFG, both out of South Korea. What do you think of these as possible long-term holds? Which might be better than the other, and at what entry price would be reasonable? Thank you for your thoughts, and I continue to enjoy your show via the podcast. Have a great day.
2: Okay, well, thank you for the question. I'm only going to deal with one of these, uh, KB Financial. Uh it's a company out of South Korea. South Korean bank providing commercial and retail banking services through 1,051 offices in South Korea. So it's a South Korean bank that is uh, makes a lot of money and has always has for years and years and years. They uh, may they're, they're going to make eight dollars and thirty four cents this year. That's up eleven percent from last year, and then another five percent next year. Eight dollars and seventy nine cents a share, and it's a forty nine dollar stock. So that makes it a very low cost stock but to remember it's a south korean bank so you also have the the currency translation so if their currency goes goes up while our currency goes down when you finally get out of the bank, out of this that means your your dollars will be less than they were when you first put them in and of course you're hoping that the stock will go up fast enough and high enough to make up for that they don't pay a dividend it's a 20 billion dollars company you would think they would pay a dividend, but they don't. So that's kind of—I'm not sure why they wouldn't. You know, being a bank, it's, they usually don't have very good growth long-term. And this one is a typical bank. It grew 13% the most recent quarter, but before that, it was always in the single digits or it shrank. I mean, the March quarter—you know, the COVID quarter a year ago—they uh, fell uh, 12% the sales. So uh, I, I. It's, I don't know. I, you know, (laughs) it's a low PE ratio, but you know, their five-year range is three to eight. So they never have a high PE. So why is that? They have high cash flow, nine, six, nine dollars and 84 cents. I don't know. I, 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 it's not something I would invest in. It just would not be. I'd stay in the U.S. if I could. So why are we here today? Why am I doing this podcast? Why? Well, I know you need and want information. You want financial information, strategic information about markets and stocks and the federal government, Federal Reserve, and everything to do with banking, all that. That's what you want because you want to be a little bit more certain as to what you're doing. And I totally get that. I would, too. So I'm ready to take your calls. You're listening to Invest Talk. You can call anytime you want. The listener line number is 888-99-CHART. And, of course, we're live right now. Today's trivia question concerns unemployment numbers and the size of the U.S. labor force. So my trivia question is coming up at the halfway point of the program, as it does every time I do the show. Now, how did the market do today? Well, the Dow was down 85. The NASDAQ was up 201 points. Big update for them. And the S&P was up 14. So broadly speaking, the market was up, but not the Dow. And the Dow has been one of the stronger of the index, a lot stronger than the NASDAQ in recent weeks. So uh, what's going on there? Maybe it was just time for it to give back some of those gains. Maybe it's time for the NASDAQ to bounce. The NASDAQ is still below the 50-day moving average, which means technically it's not broken above resistance, whereas the Dow has easily broken above resistance. So. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and it is the end of the first quarter. So 2021 certainly feels like it moving pretty fast, don't you think? With all the changes we see happening, it's important to remember that during times of market uncertainty, the task of building your financial freedom always continues. You have to keep an eye on it. We should talk about this, taking your calls live, 888 99 Chart.
0: Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour.
1: Hello, Joseph from Charlotte, North Carolina. My question is about Quidel. I took out a small position in the stock based off the newsletter, and I guess about two to three weeks ago when their earnings came out, it was trading at 211 with a high of 276, and it dropped all the way to 130 today. So I was hoping for some clarity and also if I should sell the stock. Thank you.
2: Well, the quick answer is no, don't sell the stock. Uh, Quidel Corporation, it's a $5.4 billion company, develops rapid diagnostic tests for infectious diseases, women's health, and gastrointestinal diseases. reason why I don't want you to sell the stock, it's $127 stock, going to make $25.44 this year. Okay, well that makes it look really, really cheap, right? But next year it's only going to be about $12 a share. So $12 shares only gives a P of 10. So it's, it is inexpensive, but not that cheap. But the return on equity is 92%. That's huge. Cash flow is $20.55. That's huge. Okay. Um, mutual funds have uh, in, doubled, almost doubled the number of mutual funds owning this company. Now the most recent sales increased 432%. Before that was 276%. Before that was 886%. The fundamentals are very very strong for this company. I think you should look at this this fall in price as a buying opportunity, not a selling. Now I'd wait till it gained a little bit of strength before I did that, but I I just think that this is a pretty pretty strong candidate be in your portfolio. It's a growth company. Remember, the market is rotating to value stocks. But I still like this as a growth company. Okay, let's go to uh, Owen in Northern California. How you doing, Owen?
3: Hi, good. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thank you for the call.
3: Um, I have a question about, it's a bit more of a trading question, but pretty much what should I, for stocks in my watch list, um, I usually just uh-huh. look at the chart, but lately that's been uh, – I look at chart and uh, studies, but that has been – I've been taking a couple losses lately, so I was wondering, for my watch list, usually I just put in a bunch of stocks that I really like the chart and they have decent fundamentals. What type of stocks should I really be putting into there, like uh, what uh, market capitalization, P.E. ratio –
2: Etc. Well, you're asking what, what fundamentals should you be looking at when you put a stock on your watch list? And, you know, I, I, we, you've always heard us talk about buy companies because of the fundamentals. Don't buy them because of the chart. The chart tells you, it's, that more often tells you when to buy and when to sell, but it doesn't ever tell you what to buy and what to sell. That's not what it's meant to do. And even charting, it's not a science. It's more of an art, and it tends to be true. It's not always true. It just tends to be more often than not. So, you know, it's a, if it was easy, if it was easy, I want everybody to be doing it. Um, right now, you also should sit back and say, well, what kind of stocks are working in this environment? And tech stocks aren't working very well in this current environment. It appears to be that we're seeing some transition from high growth, high tech stocks to slower growth more um, industrial staples kind of stocks. so you also have to learn when the market moves where you should move you know with it you can't you can't fight the market you don't argue with it say well dude this stock stock worked good all for the last 10 years so I'm gonna buy it this year that doesn't necessarily happen. so you gotta it's hard and it takes experience. So you're going to have to learn the fundamentals that, you know, we like high earn, uh, high return on equities, return on assets. We like uh, P.E. ratios that are low in their range in the sector that they're in, the companies the sector. We like uh, high profit margins or margins that are growing and not shrinking. There's many, many fundamentals to look at. So, you know, you can you can look. At, there's books out there that tell you how to do that, and that's what I probably would suggest, Owen. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Let's go to Rober- Roberto in Washington D.C. Roberto.
1: Yeah. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Uh, thanks for taking the oh. call. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have a small position with Abby right now, but um, I'm really looking to get a large position, more of a core holding with it. But um, uh-huh. just a couple of questions. Just, uh, do you see a good entry? I know it's it's a, it's a little bit high right now, but what would be a good entry? from the technical side and um what do you see in the future i mean they um you know they recently made the the merge with uh, allergen you know with botox so what kind of what do you see the landscape there and not there's some risk but i think they have like some sort of patent exploration with humera that their largest drug so yeah i just want to hear your thoughts on the company in general and what what do you think of it moving forward
2: Okay, AbbVie, symbol A-B-B-V, develops. Uh, it's, it's headquarters in North Carolina, develops pharmaceutical products to treat immunology, virology, oncology, and other diseases. It's a $191 billion company. So it's a big, blue-chip, pretty consistent, strong company. Okay? It grows its earnings every year. So it's doing it for years. Sales in recent quarters have jumped 59 and 52 percent but a lot of that was driven by you know acquisition so you got to be careful with that. They pay a 4.8 percent dividend it's a $108 stock with cash flow of ten dollars per share. And remember 10 cash flow of 10 but they're going to make 13 so they easily can pay the dividend. the dividends not even issued so you basically buy this company because you like that dividend that's one of the things you want. They did take on a lot of debt recently, the huge cash flow should be able to handle it. Mutual funds are buyers of the company, and I think a good you know, around $102, $103 is strong support the last few months. Being at 108 it's not that far away. You know, so I think this is a pretty decent price to buy. Really. Thanks, Roberto. Appreciate the call. On the next invest talk, an IPO lesson that serves as a warning to investors. Amazon-backed Deliveroo. Amazon-backed delivery-all has tanked in its London market debut, and that's going to be tomorrow, everybody. For now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions live. 8-99 chart.
3: Got a question for Steve or Justin? Hey, guys, this is Joe from Lake Jackson, Texas, south of Houston. And I've got a
1: question about warrant shares. I think that's the right term.
3: What's your question? 888-99-CHART.
0: Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the risk-alized results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the risk-alized quiz at investtalk.com.
2: 888-99 chart, my focus point today concerns a story about uh, as Treasury yields hit new highs, why did the tech-heavy. NASDAQ move lower. What are the dynamics at play here? Well, think about this for a second. Now, this is a, This is a very good lesson to learn because we haven't really had this lesson in recent years. And the lesson is when treasury yields, the amount of money you can make on a U.S. government treasury, which is ultra-safe money, right? Ultra-safe because U.S. government back. When the yield goes up, it makes high-risk stocks look less attractive. Okay, why is that? Well, because high-risk stocks can go up very fast or they can go down very fast. I mean, so it's very risky. So if I can make more and more money on safe investments like the U.S. Treasury, I'll pull some of my money from that risky stuff and put it over here in that saver stuff. Now, granted... Treasuries are only yielding, what, 1.5%, 1.7% per 10-year treasury per year for 10 years? That's still pretty darn low. But a few months ago, it was 0.6% per year. So it's more than doubled, almost moving on to tripling. So if that's happening, money is slowly moving away from that high growth and into these safer bets. That's the dynamic that's going on. And that's a lesson we haven't learned in a long time because tech stocks have been doing so well for so long, no one really paid attention. And they say, well, you know, why would I put money in Treasuries? The yields are going down. I'm not making any money on that. Hey, I'm going to put my money in the stock market. What happens if the yield on 10-year Treasury goes to 4 and 5%? You know what the average yield is over a long, long period of time? 3.5% or so. So, you know, if it goes to that, Will that attract more money away from stocks? That's the dynamic that's happening. So that's why it's important for you to pay attention to the yield, not just the yield of the treasuries, but the direction of the yield. And then, of course, the you want to know what the spread, the yield spread is. And that's the difference between a two-year treasury and a 10-year treasury. You want that spread to be expanding, and it is. That tells you that we have a healthy... Well, it doesn't tell you, but it adds support to the fact that we have a healthy economy. That's what that's for. Let's go to Andrew in San Clemente. Hi, Andrew. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and I appreciate (laughs) it. I'd like to uh, get your uh,
1: value on Kroger stock. It took a a a little over 5% hit today after, um, I guess, an an investment conference. So I'm just curious what your value is on that.
2: Okay, uh, Kroger, it's a grocery store chain. Uh, We know it pretty well because we own it in some of our managed accounts. Uh, Symbol is KR. Let me pull it here. Uh, Operates 2,757 supermarkets, convenience stores, and jewelry stores under Kroger, Ralphs, and other names. Uh, Grocery stores are notorious for small margins, not a lot of profit margin. Uh, So... Kroger took a a hit today, as he mentioned. I think it was, at the the end of the day, I think it was down, what, 3.33% or something like that. Uh, They're going to make $2.92 next year. They made $2.80 this year. Last year, they made $3.47. Okay, so it's going to go down. But it's a $35 stock paying a 2% dividend, extremely stable. That's what this company would be. You would say, oh, it's a very stable company. It will not be exciting. Their sales growth has averaged between 6 and 12% per quarter for five, six quarters. And that's pretty high for Kroger at a $27 billion company. And if they can maintain that, this stock is worth a lot more money than the $35 it's trading at now. It's probably worth about $45 because sales are increasing. And I think sales will increase. So it's one of those safe bets, Andrew. Not anything exciting. It's a safe, solid company. Okay? Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Okay, did you see that UBS uh, upgraded uh, Apple today? They predict Apple. The, the reason why I am bringing this up because not what, well, not because of the upgrade, but what the reason UBS gave as why they're upgrading it. They said that they think that Apple will be. One of the big, one of the big car companies in the electric vehicle space, they think in what, what they say in ten years that Apple will have five percent of the electric electrical vehicle electric vehicle market. Apple will remember they don't have a car, they have no sales whatsoever, they don't even really have any design of a car yet, at least not that what we know about. But they are putting lots of money toward this effort. And that's why UBS upgraded them. Now, did you hear? The, did you hear? Uh, Tesla believes that they are going to be the world's largest company in the world—not car company, company. Hmm. A little hyperbole out there. Unemployment is one of the most critical economic issues facing the country as it balances reopening the. Uh, with safety concerns, you know we all know about COVID nineteen and and everything else. The Bureau of Labor Statistics (BLS) said its March fifth report that the current U.S. unemployment rate as of February twenty February two thousand twenty one is six point two percent. So, as we go to break, here is my two part trivia question: What compromises the what comprises the labor force? And at the start of the COVID nineteen pandemic, what what was a high point count? of the labor force. 888-99-CHART. From sunrise to sunset.
4: Hi Steve, this is Carol in Alabama.
0: From dusk till dawn. Hey guys, it's Carl from Philadelphia. The questions keep coming. I had a question regarding portfolio yield. From down the street, around the corner and across the country. Big fan of the podcast from New York here.
4: I'm calling from the Chicagoland area. From
0: Newport, Kentucky. Talk listeners have one objective. This is Frank from the Bay Area. Financial freedom. I had a question on your opinion about this Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. My question today is about diversification. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really thank you guys for all of your knowledge and wisdom. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com.
4: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy and where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip or maybe you want to connect with family members? Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen
0: the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk,
2: 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, the trivia question. What compromises the labor force? And at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, what was the high point count of the labor force in America? Okay, the labor force is the actual number of people available for work. Now, what does that mean? Well, they don't count children, and they don't count older people that are retired. It's usually between the ages like, I thought, at one time it was like 23 or 24 to 65, I think. But I don't know the exact ages they use now. Anyways, um, at the peak, we had 164.6 million persons and that was in February 2020, just before the start of COVID-19 pandemic in the United States. The U.S. labor force has risen each year since 1960, with the exception of the big recession we had in 2008. That didn't start coming back. Between 2008 and 2011, it didn't rise. Now, do you know why the workforce is mostly located in cities? Where people moved. Everybody, it's where the jobs are. So the jobs attracted people. In 1920, the U.S. census was the first to show that more than half of a country's population lived in urban areas. Before 1920, over half lived in country, suburban or out in the country somewhere. And, of course, it's in the factories. That's why the jobs. A recent census information shows that urban centers and suburbs continue to attract people. With only about 14% of Americans now living in rural areas. 14%, not very big. Let's keep moving. Here comes a question from an Invest Talk listener in Texas.
1: Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Michael from Lubbock, Texas. I wanted to know your opinion on WMICX Mutual Fund, which is a micro cap growth fund. I own it for a small cap exposure. It's done well recently, but I was wondering if I should sell it and buy a small-cap blend or a small-cap value fund since value stocks are expected to outperform growth in the next 10 years. Thanks.
2: Yeah, i probably moved the value. This symbol is WMICX. It's a mutual fund. Wasatchi Micro Cap Growth Fund. And it has done very well. So... It's hard for me to convince people, but when stocks do very, very well, our mutual funds are doing very, very, well, in one year, the following year, they don't do so good. It's pretty common. So it's hard to convince people the sell when the selling's good. They don't want to. The, they, they think uh, this, this move up is going to continue forever. It doesn't. No one really can tell you when it will stop. But in my opinion, I would move from the growth side to the val- side of the market for the next few years. It's just what I think I would like to now, I want to do that, and I'm doing that for my clients for as well as for myself. We're all doing it together. So that's what I think you should do. Now, we've got a good pace going. No reason to slow down. So here comes an InvestTalk caller question from 888 chart
1: Hey, this is Angelo from Las Vegas. Just had a question on the stock UWMC. That's uh, Umbrella Whiskey Mike Charlie, uh, United Wholesale Mortgage. Just want to get your take on it. I feel like it's a good play, good company. It also has a dividend as well on it. So again, thank you again for uh, answering the question. and I look forward to answering your podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day.
2: Well, my first question would be, since it's really, really tiny, only $817 million in size, why is it paying a dividend? Usually a tiny company is all about growth. This is a holding company engaged in the wholesale residential mortgage lending business in the United States. Okay, Mortgage lending business. And it has tanked. It went from $13.50 down to um, $7.93 in the last couple of months. Why is that? Why is that? Well, because housing, probably the the strong housing market, is probably starting to be perceived as going to be weakening in the future. That perception is based on rising mortgage rates and um, and uh, a, a lack of inventory out there for existing home sales. So they're they're going to make a dollar twenty seven this year after losing money last year and the year before. It's a seven dollars and ninety three cents stock. Next year they're supposed to make a dollar twenty-six, so that makes it a very low price stock. But it's one of those—it's com- not very old; it's very new, March of two thousand twenty. So, we're talking a year old, and it's selling way below the IPO price. Uh, and it pays a five percent dividend, which I don't understand why they're too small to be paying a dividend. They should be focused on growth and retaining earnings and reinvested into the company. But they're in the residential mortgage lending business, uh, so when obviously it's very cyclical, very cyclical. I, it would not be for me. Uh, you know, I don't. I wouldn't buy this with a dividend because that dividend can disappear so fast. It doesn't have a history of paying that dividend. Okay, let's take a live call now. This time from Jake in New York City. Hi there.
0: Uh, I have a question about Silver SLV. Uh, my uh-huh. question is. If the market tries to price in uh, future situations with a multi-month time horizon and uh-huh. inflation uh, is not only showing signs of occurring, but will increase pretty dramatically into 2021 and 2022, silver looks like it's around 200 EMA. So my two questions are, one, what do you think caused this drop outside of the yields rising? And two, where do you see the price of silver? Uh, towards the end of 2021 for example
2: well if you look at the dollar the dollar actually has gotten stronger and that has put pressure on the on the on the precious metals I like silver a little bit better than gold because silver has more utility more uses uh, so I think that the strength of the dollar let me take a quick look at the dollar the silver started to go down it's been going sideways for a while since last August. And it started to track a little bit on the downside, And right now, it's right at the 200-day moving average. So, yeah, so the dollar has gone up all March. So it's putting pressure, downward pressure on the metals. Uh, if inflation comes, that means the dollar will weaken. And I, I'm one of the believers that we're going to see inflation. It just not has, has not shown up yet. It won't show up until the world economy strengthens. And of course, our economy strengthens, but I, I I see that happening this year. So therefore, these metals will go up. But I can't. It's very difficult to time it. I don't know exactly when. I don't know exactly how high. How high is high? I do not know. Um, I just think that it's got another leg run up that we want to take advantage of. And plus, it's a, a defensive stock. If something falls apart with the dollar or the economy, you know, they're pretty defensive. Gold and silver. So I'm one of these guys. I think we'll have a really good economy this year because of all the huge amount of spending. But I'm not so convinced a year or two, three down the road. I think we're heading into a recession at some point. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We've got a good pace going here, people. I like keeping it up. Uh, let's take a We already took the LICO. Let's go for the four in a row. The caller question came in earlier from our listener line in California.
4: Hi,
1: this is Zach in California. Right now, I own stock in Nokia, and I'm wondering if it's worth keeping or if Nokia has the heights that it's going to hit this year or if it's going to go possibly much higher with all of the market volatility or if I should take my money and run.
4: Thanks.
2: Nokia. N-O-K is a symbol. It's out of uh, Finland. Finnish developer of telecom, infrastructure, mobile, broadband, technologies, and digital map networks. You're going to make $0.24 cents this year and $0.31 cents a share next year. That's the estimates. It's a $3.96 stock, and I see absolutely no reason why you own it. Sales growth uh, was up four percent. in December quarter zero before that quarter twelve percent loss. A quarter before that, I mean it's losing business slowly. Uh, a decent return on equity at ten percent, but there's just there's just, what what's there's no catalyst. There's no it's a twenty two billion dollar company. Used to be a heck of a lot bigger, a heck of a lot more relevant than years ago, but not anymore. I, I, I move on to something better. There's a lot of something betters out there than Nokia. Okay, so I, I stay away from it. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay, uh, so um, let's see. Um, 2021 is well underway, everybody, and we are seeing changes. I want to take a minute. To make you aware of some of the benefits Justin Klein and I can offer client investors through our company KPP Financial. First, we are based in Irvine, California, which is in Orange County, between LA and San Diego. And thanks to technology, we can review your portfolio and offer strategic guidance, and you never have to leave your home. Right? I mean, look how many people work from home. You can. It's easily stay home these days and conduct every kind of business. So keep in mind that here on InvestTalk at KPP Financial, we operate on a philosophy, independent thinking, and shared success, and we want to share that success with you, our listeners and clients. So how do we do that? Well, we try to give unbiased guidance. We practice what we call parallel investing, meaning we buy the same things for our clients as we do for ourselves, the same price, same time, same percentage, so that our performance matches our clients' performance. Okay, you can call our office in Irvine, California if you want to speak or send us an email. We'd be happy to respond. You can take our risk-alized questionnaire at investtalk.com, and we'll respond to that. There's all kinds of ways we can communicate with each other. And after we speak, you know, we can do it by jive. We can do it, you know, any way you want to, on a typical phone or, you know, uh, uh, you know, using jive or any of those communication systems in which you can see each other that's fine too so we can help you and we want to help you we don't even if it you don't have to become a client we'll help you no matter what we'll help you
0: there is good news for loyal invest talk listeners their friends and families steve and justin have recorded a special bonus podcast this free podcast is available for download anytime Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So, in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Peasley handles the second half. It's a fast paced, learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, Steven Justin, longtime listener here from Minnesota.
1: Love the show. Thank you guys. I have a question here. I was looking at this fund here to maybe help keep my portfolio in shape with a volatile market we are having. It's Vanguard Diversified Equities Fund, VDEQX, I believe is a symbol. Looking at putting five, maybe seven percent of the portfolio into it and just letting it sit and collecting the dividend and so forth, and hopefully growing also along the way, but just keeping in there for a five, ten year period of time and just minimizing the risk in my portfolio. Does this fund look good and safe to you? It is a managed one, so hopefully the manager knows what he's doing and so forth. Do you guys feel good about this fund? I'll look forward to hearing your answers on the show. Thanks. Have a great day.
2: Okay, Vanguard, fund, the fund family Vanguard is a very good fund family, and they have very low expense ratios on their fund. So that's, that's a big plus for Vanguard. This is Vanguard Diversify Equity Income Fund. So we need to dive into the fund. How does it derive its income? Is it bonds? Is it dividends on stocks? And, you know, I I don't have that piece of software. You know, you can find that information out very easy at Morningstar.com and get a lot of that information. So you really want to understand how they derive their income. You mentioned you want to know if it was safe. I would not describe any company that buys stocks or bonds well, at least stocks, as safe. If you buy bonds and you buy U.S. Treasury, I would regard those as safe. So if they're deriving a certain percentage of their income through U.S. Treasuries, you can say, well, that part is safe of that fund. That probably, And if they did, that would probably make the fund a lot less volatile because the word volatile is much more appropriate than the word safe. When you're investing in stocks, people, it's not safe, no matter what you invest in. I don't care how. One stock may be a lot safer than another, but that's a degree of safety compared to a, the same type of uh, investment. Stocks. Stocks in general are not safe. Now, you can manage a portfolio to make it more safe than a portfolio that's managed in a different way. And you can make a portfolio make it very unsafe. See, so it's hard to use the word safe when you're describing mutual funds. Uh, stocks, ETFs, in, in the stock market. You have to kind of describe them. Uh, well, how volatile is it? Well, how do you measure volatility? Well, you measure it through beta. You know what beta is? Something you should learn. This is InvestTalk. I'm Steve Pease, and we have one goal here, and as always, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in now. We're getting to the last part of the show, 888-99-CHART.
1: And the question is, during the market downturn, do dividends stay fairly steady, at least for
0: blue-chip companies, as compared to share prices, or should I expect some fluctuation in the uh, dividend stream that I'm hoping to get?
3: Got a question
0: for Steve
3: or Justin? Now is a good time to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART.
4: hi my name is matt i'm from minnesota i had a question about carnival cruise line stocks ccl i was wondering about it because it looks like if you look at the history of the stock that it's gone through turmoil in the past but every time it's been some sort of big event, whether it's recession or right now COVID, that's made the stock tank, and it's always recovered to a very strong point. And right now, it looks like it's on the recovery, so I'm not worried about it tanking right now. Damage has been done. Now it's recovering. Is this a good time to get into it for the long term until it goes back up? Thanks.
2: Well, the only only worry about Carnival Corporation is bankruptcy. That was the big worry, and it still is a worry. Carnival Crew operates cruise vacations with 104 ships under nine brands serving North America, Asia, Australia, Europe. And, of course, if the cruise business picks up and they don't go bankrupt, the stock's probably underpriced. It's at $26 a share right now and going to make $0.13 cents next year. Not this year. This year they're going to lose $4.48 a share. Last year they lost $7 and 740, $7.47 a share. Okay? So your comeback story is valid as long as it doesn't file for bankruptcy. My fear is, it files for bankruptcy, wipes out all current shareholders and come out of bankruptcy with new shareholders and a new balance sheet, and they'll be perfectly fine. So, but if they survive intact, their average price, their average earnings per quarter is like three, four dollars a share. And the price was between forty and sixty dollars a share, and here it is at twenty-six. They're only going to make thirty-one million dollars. I'm sorry, they made thirty-one million dollars in the August quarter, and in November quarter they made thirty-four million dollars. Sales. That's sales. You know their sales used to be the four to five billion dollars a quarter. So, your story is true, but it's a pretty high risk gamble. I think it might be a decent gamble. long as they don't file bankruptcy, I think it's a very good gamble. If they file bankruptcy, you lose all your money, you toast. But they offered $3.5 billion in senior notes. In other words, they issued debt, 5.75%. So if they can survive and get through this cash crunch, they'll be fine. Okay, next we're going to pivot to Denver for another InvestTalk Voice Bank question.
1: Hello, it's uh, Luke from Denver. Uh, I really like the show, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on Alphabet. I love the company. I can't get enough of it. Maybe I need to be talked out of investing too much of my portfolio in it. Thank you.
2: Okay, let me talk you out of that. I like Google, too. I like Google a lot. But you never, ever, ever put too much in any one stock. You can say to yourself, well, what could happen to Google? I mean, look how strong it is, and look how much money it makes. All those things are true. All those things are true. But what if the government decides to break them up? What happens to Google then? You don't know. You know What happens if Europe decides to break them up? They can't do business in Europe anymore, as they are. See, so there's things that could happen that will really be painful, now, so this is one of the reasons why, yeah, you can have Google in your portfolio. I like Google, but it should only be a certain percent. And you know me, I don't like it to as a buy, no more than five percent of your portfolio. As a buy. It may grow higher than that, but don't not as a purchase. Now, is Google worth more than two thousand sixty-two dollars a share? I mean, is it worth a forty PE? Huh? I I think it's expensive, and I I wouldn't be a buyer of it at this point. You know when you want to buy Google? The next recession. How's that? Be patient. Hard to do that, isn't it? It's very hard to do that. Google, G-O-O-G-L. I don't think I have to tell anybody what they do. Everybody knows Google. Anyways, appreciate the call. Thank you. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program, everybody. Justin Klein, and I thank you for listening and encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live streaming podcast, which concludes at 5 o'clock, by the way, 5 p.m. Pacific time. Get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com. We do appreciate you listening to us and rating us.